Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. It's a big week for Michigan basketball. Tonight, Purdue pays a visit to Chrysler. And then on Saturday, we make the short trip to East Lansing to play what will be a very unhappy band of Spartans. How good is this Michigan team? That's the question we're asking right now. By Saturday evening, we'll have a better idea. Both Purdue and Michigan State are big, physical teams. You know the knock on us the last few years. Not tough enough, white-collar basketball. Now, we know that's not true. That said, these two games will at least serve as a measuring stick for this year's team. On today's show, our guest is beat writer Brendan Quinn from The Athletic Detroit. Brendan told me beating either of these two teams would be huge, but it's also important to see how Michigan competes against both. The season won't be over if we lose both, but a win tonight or on Saturday would signal that maybe this Michigan team is pretty good. Any way you cut it, it's a big week. In other news and notes before we get to Brendan, on Monday night, the athletic department made it official. Dan Enos is now on the staff. According to the press release, he will coach a yet-to-be-finalized position group. Enos was an All-State quarterback at Dearborn Etzel Ford, then played at Michigan State for George Perlis. He was an assistant at MSU for Mark D'Antonio before leaving to become head coach at CMU. He left that job to become offensive coordinator for Brett Bielma at Arkansas the last three years. A lot of Spartan and Wolverine fans are scratching their head over this hire. We'll soon find out what Jim Harbaugh has in mind for him. Charles Woodson has been selected as a member of the 2018 College Football Hall of Fame class. Woodson will be Michigan's 31st Hall of Fame member, the third most of any school. Desmond Howard was the last player to receive the honor in 2010. Coach Lloyd Carr made it into the Hall in 2011. Woodson is the only primarily defensive player to ever win the Heisman. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a big week for Michigan basketball. When the season started, not many of us knew what to expect. This has been a fun team to watch, I think. Mo Wagner has not hit his stride yet. The incredibly talented Charles Matthews is still fitting in. We really don't have an everyday point guard. And our freshman class that was supposed to observe this year is contributing and in a big way. How good can we be? No one really knows. But it should be fun watching this team grow. I've always been a Coach B guy. And if we've learned one thing in his 11 years, January is January, March is March. And that's when his teams peak. Brendan Quinn spent the last five years at MLive as the Michigan beat writer. This past summer, he took his considerable talents to the athletic Detroit. Brendan is highly regarded as one of the best hoops writers in the country, and we're lucky to have him in this market and covering our team. I wish we could have spent more time with him today, but he had a presser to run to, so we will get him back on soon when he has more time. Brendan Quinn is up next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. With us for the first time this year is Brendan Quinn, who covers Michigan hoops for the Athletic Detroit. Brendan, great to get you back on the show. Thank you, Mike. Always a pleasure. Well, we didn't have to wait uh, too long once the uh, second half of the, well, it's not really the second half of the Big Ten season, but in January, getting it back in gear, didn't have to wait too long for a stunner 
Uh, Sunday in Columbus, Michigan State goes down there, loses to Ohio State. And as you said in the Athletic Detroit this morning, Brendan, uh, you might not have seen it coming, but they were due for a bad game. Yeah, I, I felt for a little bit here that, you know, my big curiosity covering the team was what, what was going to happen when the inevitable five for 25 on threes um, came up. Like, that's, it's going to happen. Um, so, you know, how were they going to respond? What would they look like when that did happen? It came yesterday in Columbus. I think Michigan State went seven for 25 on threes. The offense was not just this pick and choose, get to do whatever you want on every possession, which it had been doing basically since, um, with, with the outlier being a bad game at Rutgers, you know, they basically just been doing whatever they wanted since that game against Duke. So, you know, a bad game arose yesterday. And the issue, because I still feel like, you know, Michigan State is more than good enough to win when it does have off shooting nights. The problem yesterday was that they kept on trying to respond with offense instead of defense, which it just doesn't work that way. When when the shots aren't falling, you can't just keep trying to get you know, more shots. You can't try to out-offense a team when you don't have too much offense going. So, you know, whereas the great Michigan State teams are known for their defense, and I think this can be a great defensive team. It is a great defensive team. You know, I just need to rely, I think, more on that identity um, when it comes to especially Big Ten road games. So I think that's what you saw yesterday. I, I still think Michigan State might be the best team in the country, certainly the best team in the Big Ten. You know, the thought was creeping in my head, could this team go 18-0 and in the league? Um, but I think, you know, you, you see pretty starkly just how difficult it is to do such things. Well, we're recording this on Monday morning, so we're going to uh, to air on Tuesday. Of course, Michigan won at home against Illinois on Saturday. So we'll talk about what a big week it is in a few minutes for the Wolverines. But today I wanted to just uh, talk briefly about some of your observations overall on this team, Brendan. I wanted to start with a great piece you wrote in December, 24 hours behind the scenes at the Maui Invitational. You wrote that the program's reputation is laden with accounts of beelines, finicky neurosis, and obsessive attention to detail. Did you find that to be an accurate representation once you got behind the scenes? Uh, that would be an understatement to say yes. Like, <laughs> um, I mean, I've covered the team for five years. I've been, as you know, as most people probably know, it is not a place that is laden with access. You are not you don't get into practice. You don't see much behind the scenes. Um, everything that the media um, and to an extent the fans see comes in a controlled uh, atmosphere is, you know, it's very much kind of laid out in a certain way and presented in a certain way. So I've been obviously fascinated for years now to actually kind of see what goes into it and exactly how much of it is beeline, how much does go to the assistant, all these things. Um, so, yeah, I, I was very appreciative that they um, granted me uh, the access after a request to do um, basically from the final buzzer of one game to the final buzzer of another game. So it was following the loss to LSU in Maui to the end of the Chaminade game. Uh, the following afternoon, and it, I, I was pretty stunned by how, A, how quickly they moved on to the next game. And there was, uh, for an LSU game that, you know, a guy like me could sit there and pick apart for, for hours and hours, um, they, there was no very little uh, bemoaning what happened in that game as opposed to, okay, take this, take this, take this, take this, move on. Um, the, the obsessive level of... Um, 
film study by everyone on the staff was was also um, something that stood out. And to see how they game planned for a game like Chaminade, where I think coming off of an LSU loss, a lot of teams might say, we're going to focus on us, what we're doing wrong, blah, blah, blah. You know, you get a chance to kind of just fix yourself playing a team like Chaminade. Well, no. I mean, they went into a deep dive film study on what Chaminade does, who these guys are. They're looking up Juco stats for some of the guys who transferred in. Beeline was able to, you know, 12 hours after the Lost LSU, rattling off full scouting reports on, on guys from Chaminade, you know, where they favor their left, how, what they do on ball screens, all this stuff. Um, and, but the thing is, it, it did fit the bill where everything kind of falls out of John's head and everyone kind of picks it up and organizes it. And, you know, and I'm not saying he's disorganized, but it's just, it is him. It, it is so much comes from him that it's it, like seeing how assistant coaches kind of have to fit into their roles is very, very interesting. And I know that's a kind of a rambling answer, but a lot happened in those 24 hours. Um, but it was, it was extraordinarily um, interesting. And, you know, like a mini moment when, when they pulled Xavier Simpson from the starting lineup, that just came in a, in a film session where they, they turned off the film from LSU and they were switching to the film from uh, Chaminade. And John simply said, we're making a change at point guard today. Eli's going to start. And that was it. There was no, there was nothing. Else. Um, neither player reacted. No one talked to Xavier. No one pulled him aside. There was no coddling. No one pulled an Eli aside and said, you know, this is your time or anything. Not, nothing like that. It was, it was very businesslike. It was really, really interesting all the way around. A very good story. Great to see how it, well, for 24 hours, you get an idea how it works behind the scenes. Yeah. I would in, love to do it again. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I would love to, uh, to see you do that again. It's uh, <laughs> fascinating stuff with coach B. In December, you wrote uh, a piece uh, last year. Derek Walton Jr. was the alpha. Zach Irvin was the omega. Everyone knew what was uh, what at winning time. But this year, it has to be Charles Matthews' team. A month after writing that, do you still believe that? Yeah, I, I think it needs to be a combination of, of Matthews and, and Wagner, ultimately. I, I think a game like uh, the last two wins that you saw uh, at Iowa and home uh, this weekend against Illinois it's it's very encouraging for Michigan that, um, you know, for lack of a better term, the, the word that they use is outliers. Got, you know, your, your Isaiah Livers, Jordan Poole making two threes in a 40-second window, guys like that emerging and making kind of plays that, that are the difference in a game. That's, that's very good for those guys. But, you know, when it comes to are you going to be an 11-12 win team in the league? Are you going to win against, a, you know, a above 500 team on the road in the league, you know, I, I still think the team needs to align with its stars and it needs to start with Matthews and it needs to also be Mo Wagner. Um, now Mo is coming back with an injury right now. Um, and I don't think he's completely himself. I think he looked a lot more like it on Saturday, but I'm still kind of interested to see Charles Matthews wrap his hands around who he is and how good that he can be. Maybe it's something that happens over the course of the year. Um, I certainly think he has the feeling to do it. Um, and I'm really curious to see if that happens because, you know, if, if it isn't, you know, if Charles Matthews is not a first or second team all lead player, um, I still think Michigan can be an NCAA tournament team. But I'm talking, you know, your feeling, like how good this team can be. 
Um, I think if that's the conversation, then it has to start with Matthews and Wagner. Let's talk about the point guard situation for a minute, Brendan. We've been seeing three guys get minutes uh, since day one, since the season started, Brooks, Simmons, and Simpson. Here we are in January. We're you know, still seeing that somewhat uh, using all three. When do you think it gets to the point where you have to have a guy? Well, it's really interesting how this whole thing has kind of played out in that it's somehow circled around to almost like for, for people who watch the uh, – the Netflix show Stranger Things, it's like the upside down. <laughs> they, they started the year searching for a starter. Now they have a starter and now they're searching for a backup. Like you don't see things <laughs> playing out that way. Like Xavier Simpson is the guy. Um, I've been really, really impressed um, with how he has handled himself um, both as a leader and as a player. Um, I think he is by far your most reliable option. His offense is coming around. Like, the guy can score. It's just a matter of his confidence and stuff like that. But more than anything, as long as he can kind of just set the table for this team, that's all you really need. Um, because unlike the, you know, the team last year, it needed to be Walton because there wasn't, you know, there was some, certainly some great players around him, but, like, he was the best player on the team. Well, now the best player on the team is Charles Matthews. And the second best player on the team is Mo Wagner. So you don't need a point guard taking 12 shots a game and stuff like that. So, so as long as they are simply going to get them into what they do, that's fine. Now, the problem is, you know, okay, well, he's not going to play 40 minutes, so you just need someone who can give him 12 reliable minutes. Maybe that's something I don't know if that's going to settle itself. I, I think that could continue to be an issue this year because you're dealing with two very different issues in that Jerron Simmons looks like a guy who's kind of playing with his sweater on backwards, and you have Eli Brooks, who's a freshman, and he's a freshman, you know, so – what he does game to game is, is a bit of a question mark. So and I ultimately think for this team to be really good, Jerron Simmons needs to figure himself out or Michigan needs to figure Jerron Simmons out. The numbers that he put up at Ohio, those aren't fake numbers. Like that happened. He did that. So it's in there somewhere. And whether it's him figuring out the system or the system figuring out what he can do and maybe limiting the amount that he has to do, one of those two things needs to happen. And now that's really hard to do on the fly. It's January 8th. So are you going to be able to do that? Um, I don't know. And I would certainly question that. But, um, you know, this is kind of the issue with taking a grad transfer point guard. You get one swing at it. And if it doesn't go well, what do you do? Well, you know, early in the season, Brendan, I was reading quite often that Michigan had no identity. Uh, they were a work in progress. And I'm not always sure what that means when I see that thrown out. Yeah. But from your point of view, is that the case with this team? Yeah, I mean, uh, if, if the identity is um, it's a collection of pretty decent players who, you know, it's a matter of how well they fit together and how far they can go, like, maybe that's fine for an identity. The problem with swapping labels on a team, and I totally get what you're saying, and, and I've actually been thinking about this lately, is we run into trouble when we try to do these things and that there's this um, impetus to try to find narratives that I, I think is kind of – is difficult in a way, but at the same time, readers and people watching the team, you want to know what a team is. You want to be able to identify with something. And so, you know, what is the, this very, it's a very gray area on how you talk about a team, but, you know, a team like Michigan State right now, that's, that team's identity right now is that it is insanely talented. Whereas some of them, some of those old teams were, you know, they'll, they'll just try to basically bully you until you submit and then they win 
um, well, this Michigan State team can just outplay anyone. Michigan, I don't know. I mean, I think they have maybe a little bit that they've they've kind of built up a, a, a level of what's the right word? Um, not confidence. Like they, they like bad, bad stuff has happened to the team where I I was very curious to see how they responded, and, and every time it's, they've responded fairly well. Um, I, I don't think they read a lot of what's out there. I, I think they are very much in-house. Um, it's, a, it's a good group of guys, but an identity, I don't, I don't know. Because they, don't, they also don't have a guy who's like a spokesman for the team, right? Like one of my big questions early in the year was, if this thing goes, goes bad, who calls the team meeting this year, right? Derek Walton called that team meeting after the loss at Illinois last year. Like he changed the dynamics of that season. Do they have a guy like that? I still don't know because you have your two senior captains are Mo, or sorry, are Duncan Robinson and Muhammad Ali Abdul Rockman. They're not exactly the rah, rah, call guys out, call a team meeting, vocal people, at least what we can see. Now, you know, maybe behind closed doors, it's a little bit different, but um, you know, they don't really come off that way. Mo Wagner is a little bit more vocal, but is he someone who would call a team meeting and, and look guys in the eyes and call them out? I don't, I don't know. Charles Matthews, it's still his second year in the program. Uh, Xavier Simpson, he's the starting point guard. He's probably the most vocal and the most serious player on the team. He's a sophomore. So it's a very interesting mix of personalities and players and talent um, that I, I don't know. I still, I still think the kind of the pieces are coming together, and I'm not sure what it's going to look like. Um, in a week, but I or in a couple of weeks, but I do think they have the chance of being pretty good. I pitched them fourth in the league in the beginning of the year based on their talent and beyond coaching, and I still feel like that's pretty accurate. Well, we're certainly going to know a lot more about them after this week. Of course, uh, Tuesday night at home against Purdue and then on the road to the Breslin on uh, Saturday afternoon for what will be a crazy game. But I know you have to get running to one of the pressers uh, this morning. So we want to say thanks to Brendan Quinn, who we uh, got on for the first time this year, who covers basketball, does a great job at the Athletic Detroit. Really good stuff. Not only Brendan, a lot of very talented writers over there at the Athletic Detroit, and that's relatively new for Michigan fans. But if you wondered where Brendan went, he's at the Athletic Detroit. And when he has more time, Brendan, here in the next few weeks, we want to get you back on and uh, talk some more Michigan hoops with you. Mike, I will be happy to join you. It's always a pleasure. I really, uh, really enjoy talking with you. Quick hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, Donovan Peoples-Jones was named a freshman FWAA All-American on Monday. He returned 40 punts for 320 yards as a true freshman with one touchdown. Finished with the second most return attempts and eighth most return yards in a single season by a Wolverine. And also caught 22 passes for 277 yards. His 79-yard punt returned for a touchdown against Air Force was the longest of any Michigan punt returner since Stevie Bresson went 83 yards against Indiana in 2006. He was also named Honorable Mention All-Big Ten as a punt returner and won Michigan's Rookie of the Year award. He was also named a freshman All-American by 24-7 Sports. In women's hoops, junior Hallie Tome was named the Big Ten Player of the Week 
After a pair of 20-point games this past week, Tome opened the week with 20 points on 8-for-12 shooting to go along with 5 boards and 3 blocks in just 25 minutes in a win at Wisconsin. She followed that up with 27 points on 12-for-20 shooting against number 10 Ohio State, while also recording 8 rebounds and 2 blocks in 44 minutes of action. Michigan lost a heartbreaker in overtime Sunday at Chrysler to Ohio State, 78-71. Coach Barnes-Arico and her team will look to rebound on Wednesday night when they entertain Indiana at Chrysler. Tip time is at 7 p.m. Michigan is 13-4 overall and 2-2 in Big Ten play this season. Coach Mel Pearson's team dropped a pair to number 2 Notre Dame this past weekend by identical 2-1 scores, Friday night at home, and then Sunday down in South Bend. Michigan will be on the road for two against Minnesota this weekend. They are 8-10-2 overall, 3-6-2 in the Big Ten. The number 8-ranked University of Michigan wrestling team closed out its weekend road trip with a pair of dual wins, defeating number 23 Purdue 25-14 and Princeton 28-10 on Sunday afternoon at the Boilermakers Holloway Gymnasium. They are 5-1 overall, 2-0 in Big Ten play. They return home this week for a huge meet with Penn State, defending national champions, on Friday at Chrysler Arena. Start time is at 9 p.m. Don't forget our free show app is available from the Google Play and iTunes stores. You can also hear us on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and Wolverine Sports Radio. If you get the show from iTunes, please take a second to rate or comment on the show. Thanks in advance. That will do it for another week. Thanks again to our guest today, beat writer Brendan Quinn from The Athletic Detroit. If you're wondering where Brendan went, I invite you to check out The Athletic Detroit. It is a subscription service, but if you're a Wolverine or Detroit sports fan, you will love it. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Tell your friends about the show. Please join us again next week for what we think is the best podcast coverage of your Wolverines. Until then, take care. And as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!